0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. Yes, I am not just giving announcements. I'm preaching today. So get your Bibles out. First Peter chapter 5 is where we're going to be at. First Peter chapter 5. Um, I hope this is like riding a bike, not like riding driving a motorcycle, because I've never done that before. Um, but I think we are going to be good, because we're going to just stay in God's Word today, and we are going to look at... Um, 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 6, all right? Uh, while you're turning there, uh, got a question for you. How many of you guys have been on a road trip this summer? Anybody? Uh, raise the hand, okay. Uh, okay, so I'm going to put some parameters around that. How many of you have been on a road trip that's over five hours? Okay, five hours. I feel like five hours is a good number. Because uh, it, it's, it's one of those things where you get to go eat places, you get to see things you normally don't get to see, you get to spend just beautiful quality time with your family that you don't get to, or friends that you don't normally get to, all just con- in the confines of a car. Uh, you know, you get to go and stop at the gas station, you get to go to Bucky's and get some cinnamon sugar bu- beaver nuggets, you'll thank me later. Um... But road trips are a blast. They're great. Uh, But what's the like, what's the longest part of the road trip? It's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like when you're almost there, right? Like you're just there, but you're not quite there yet. Uh, It's even almost more so sometimes whenever you're just ready to get home. You've had a long vacation or a long trip, and then you're just like, you kind of need a vacation from your vacation. You just want to go sleep in your own bed. And so you're just like trying to get home and you're trying to get there as fast as possible. Right? I mean, that's kind of the way I am. I'm like, I, I want to like, hey, when it's time to go, hey, let's go. We're going to get in the car. Hey, pack up, get in. We're going to get and we're going to, hey, we're going to stop at fast food or whatever. But we're just going to go because we just want to get home. All right? So Today we're going to talk about that, like what is it like to be almost there. My, uh, my brother, whenever he went to children's camp, whenever he was in kindergarten, he uh, got to ride horses at this camp and they had this little line of like three or four people. Uh, they were on horses with these ladies and counselors that were helping them. And they got to the end of the pasture and they turned back and his horse was just like not having it. He was like, saw the barn, saw his, where his food was and his hay was and he was like, I'm out. And so he just starts to go berserk and crazy and kind of jumps up, gets out of line and just starts sprinting towards the barn. I mean, just full out sprinting. And my brother's just holding on and there's, you know, ladies crying and counselor guys going, whoa, horsey. And kids crying and it's, he gets almost there And there's this big piece of sheet metal that's sticking out and the horse just runs right by and just rips his leg open and he had to have like 60 stitches. It went down to the bone and it was just, it was like inside stitches and outside stitches, not to be too gory, but I'm just saying what happens sometimes when you want to be home is you just want to be home. You just want to get there, right? That's kind of the way I am. It's the way dad's problems, some dads are. Whenever they're ready to, you know, like, hey, they're like, hey, get in the car. Like, I got to go to the bathroom. You're like, sorry, hold it. Here's a bottle. Let's go. We're getting to the house, all right? It's a NASCAR pit stop. We're getting to the home. Uh, But today, I want us to think about that. There's a lot of different places in your life, probably, where you're just almost there. You're almost home, but you're just not quite there. And there's some anxiety that comes with that. And there's some patience that we have to learn. But what do we do with that? I think 1 Peter chapter 5, I think he does a great job of being able to tell us what we do um, when we are ready to be there, but not quite. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. I want you to underline proper time. We'll talk about that in a second. Peter is the author of this book of 1 Peter, and he's talking to believers who have been spread out all into Rome, and they're everywhere. And he's, he's really like uh, encouraging the church, the leaders to, um, to not just the leaders of the church, but also the next generation of the church, he's saying, hey, listen, there's a lot of things that are probably going on that you're facing that are going to be really tough, or that I'm hearing that are really tough. There's, he, calls, um, he calls Rome, he calls it Babylon at the end of this chapter. It's just actually a metaphor for Rome. It's just pretty much saying, hey, it's just an evil, bad place. There is just a lot of corruption that's happening, and you're probably going to face some really difficult things. But... It's okay, like we can do this. So in in my life, as I start to think about this, man, the best decision that I ever made in my life, like no hesitation, is for me to accept Jesus as the payment for my sin. So that I might be able to have a hope for now and for eternity. There's no question. Like because what I was doing whenever I was a kid, whenever I was a teenager, was hey man, I wanted to do, th- I wanted to be right. I wanted to please my parents. I wanted to please people around me. I wanted to be, you know, like what people looked at to be the guy, and, and I would try to do my best, but I would fail miserably multiple times. But I would still fake it till you make it. So I would try to be a really good guy and tuck my shirt in and yes ma'am and no ma'am and all those things. But at the end of the day, I was a hypocrite. I, I would do things that were, like, disobedient to my parents. I would lie. I would, you know, uh, I would say I was going to be somewhere and I wasn't. I mean, there's a ton of things that you can't even, I can't even remember all the things that I was, like, trying to do, but I wasn't doing right. And eventually, at some point, I got to the place where I'm like, this is not right. Something's wrong. And that's when Jesus stepped in. And I heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus for the first time that, man, he took on our sin. He was perfect. He lived a perfect life. He suffered and died on a cross so that we might be made right with God, so that God would give us a purpose in our life. He would give us a passion in our life to be who God's created us to be despite our sin. And it's only by grace that that happens. And by faith, I can choose to receive Christ. And so now I have this eternity that I can now, like, pursue in my life. Like, no matter what I do or no matter what I say, God loves me and he cares for me and he has so much value that he sent his son to die for me so that I might be able to have eternity and I might be able to, to be able to spend that eternity with the people that I love, the people that have, um, are following Jesus as well. There's no greater decision in your life. You can't, I, I mean... I got married. I love my wife. She's my most favorite person. Uh, it's better than that. It's better than the day my kids were born. It's better than any accomplishment that I've ever had, any job promotion, any accolade that I've had, any moment. The moment that I said, man, God, you give me purpose outside of me being me. And not just for now, but for eternity. That's awesome. I mean, you can't get better than that. But here's the issue. The world is still there. The world still moves on. My flesh, it's still there. So now I'm at a place where I made this decision and I want to follow Jesus and I'm excited about it because it's really good for me. Like ultimately, we want to do things because it's good for us, right? I mean, that's the best decision. So now we're sitting there and the world, we, we, we start to walk in with Jesus and we start to walk forward and next thing you know, boom, our flesh is here. Boom, there's opposition. Boom, there's trouble. There's stuff that just happens and you're like, oh God, this doesn't feel right for me. Is this true? Is this right? And this is where I think Peter is going with this. In fact, Martin Luther said it this way. It's easier to speak of the freedom that Christ has purchased for us than it is to believe it. Peter is talking here about what we do in times of crisis, what we do in times of trouble, and what does that belief look like? How are we trusting? Jesus said, in this world there will be trouble. So what does our belief do next? How do we respond with our belief next? And this is what he says in verse uh, six. Let's look at it. Um, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may exalt you in the proper time. He may exalt you, he may lift you up in the proper time. So number one, I want you to take from this is this. Our belief moves us to submitting to God at his pace. So number one, if you're taking notes, submit to God at his pace. You know, it's funny because... uh, In our culture, we just like to do things fast. Like I said, we like to just hurry and rush and make things happen, especially when it comes to trouble, it comes to opposition, it comes to things that we're facing that are hard. Uh, We just want to get to the end of it, right? Anybody read the book at the end before they actually read the whole book? It's just sick, okay? People, don't do that, all right? But yeah, we like to get to the end of it. Nobody wants to go through those issues and those things. Time is... um, it's, it's one of those things that gets away from us. But it's one of those things that we, we, we want to move faster. We want, to, uh, we want it to, to, to get to the end and to resolve better. Um, the problem is slow is a pejorative in our culture. It, is, it has a negative connotation. The word slow. Um, if uh, you don't take tests well, you don't do good on tests, then you're considered slow. Uh, if you went to a movie, and you didn't really like it, and you ask, hey, what's going on? Like, why didn't you like the movie? He's like, ah, I mean, I don't know. It was just kind of slow. The the plot just didn't go. I don't know. You go to a restaurant, bad service. Uh, What happened? Why was it bad service? Ah, it was just slow, you know. Uh, there's, there's a ton of reasons why uh, that you, you would be considered, uh, that the, the world uh, is considered slow bad. I mean, you look at the definition of slow, and it really talks about the same things I just kind of talked about. People who are slow, and how slow is just kind of a negative thing. So in our culture, in our DNA, fast is good, and slow is bad. Some of you are fast offenders, okay? Um, some of you uh, love to drive up to the stoplight, and you count the cars on which one that you need to be in that's going to go the fastest, depending on if there's an 18-wheeler or there's multiple cars or not, and you're just weaving in and out trying to figure it out. You do the same thing at the grocery store, right? You, like, are constantly choosing, okay, which one? You stay in this line, and now you're ropping in this line, and then you're giving dirty looks because there's a ca- clerk over there sitting there doing nothing, and then, uh, you, then you're then you counting the people that are in the self-checkout line because you're trying to figure that out because you got to get going, right? Some of you, whenever the plane lands, um, you all stand up and you grab your bag and you stand there. And you're like, yeah, it's time to get off. It's like we're taxiing to the the place where you get off and you're going to stand there for 30 minutes like this, like getting ready to like get off the plane. But you got to get off with everybody else. We're fast offenders, you know? Some of you are slow to get on the pickleball bandwagon, all right? Because you don't even... Anyways, uh, my wife is a multitasker. Anybody here a multitasker? Like that's what you pride yourself in. Okay. A lot of people do. I'm not a multitasker. I try to multitask. The only reason I try to multitask is because I don't want my wife to call me slow. I married a slow husband. So like, but at the end of the day, multitasking is just what we do. Why? Because we just want to get things done. We want to move things along. We want to, well, there's got to be, there's got to be uh, there, how else we get things done if we don't do those things. So some of you maybe feel like I'm stepping on your toes a little bit. And honestly, at the end of the day, it's really not just about being uh, slow or being fast. But at the end of the day, um, Jesus came and he had a different rhythm. He had a different way about him. Jesus is the ultimate embodiment of love. He embodied love and love is patient and love is kind. When Peter picked up his sword and, and whacked off that soldier's ear because they were trying to take Jesus, Jesus like, Peter, chill, hang on. Like, it's not time for that. You know, like we, that's naturally who we are is somebody who wants to rush the process. We want to keep, we, because we, 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 we can do it. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Jesus was different. In fact, in Matthew chapter 11 Jesus, the only time in scripture Jesus tells you what his heart is. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, you can read it on the screen. He said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, for I am lowly and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we take the reins and don't let God do what God needs to do. A lot of times we rush the process. It doesn't matter if it's an injury. It doesn't matter if it's a, uh, it's a relationship. When we start to rush and we start to hurry and we start to have a rhythm that is not walking at God's pace and submitting to God's pace, uh, we begin to do things and we start to experience things differently. There is actually an anxiety. There's a weight that's on us that we are not just putting on ourselves, but we put on other people as well because we can't keep up and we begin to get focused on other things and other people, what they're doing, and we get discontent in what's happening and who we are and what's about. Dallas Willard, a famous uh, Christian philosopher, he said this, hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So I want us to think through that. I want you to sit on this today. What is the pace that you're at? what is the anxiety that you have? Are you submitting to God at his pace? Now, I know some of you are like, listen, I can't sit still. It's just the way God made me. I I just, I don't know if I'm necessarily doing fast. I'm just, I like to get things done. I like to do stuff. That's who I am. I'm a type A person and I just like, I talk a lot and I do stuff. That's okay. I'm not necessarily talking about them, but I want to show you this video and maybe it'll help be able to delineate some things about uh, being fast and slow. So here we go. The reigning world champion goes in lane three alongside Jerome Avery, former international sprinter for the United States. I ran with him our first practice. Coach immediately said, you're gonna run with him after me. And you know, the rest has been history. What? There you go, Fly, drive, 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 Stay in tight. Running with Jerome, I don't have to worry about going out too far. All I have to focus on is just listening to him. Get up. Nice. Arm action should be exact. We should be hitting the ground at the same time. This time there are away and Brown gets away very, very well engaged. You see his run, But like one person. It should look like one person running. That's <laughs> it. That tracking side on camera is magic to watch because it just shows that uh, they were running almost like one person. All right, what a great story, right? What a great story of uh, how the one sprinter probably didn't have that on his radar that he was going to be doing that one day, and, uh, but, uh, but then next thing you know, he finds this guy who he is... Uh, he is now helping uh, make history and bring joy to. Uh, he's helping the uh, training together, he's communicating. Um They are literally yoked together. They have a string that they hold um, and and, uh, to be able to hear the pace, to be able to feel uh, what's going on and just the trust that goes along with that. What an awesome story that's there of them going towards a specific goal together. Um, And they were running too, all right? They were going fast for you fast-paced people. Um, But I want to give you a little bit of uh, a quick delineation between uh, the word hurry and the word urgent. So Paul and, uh, and Peter, uh, they, they talk about, I urge you multiple times in Scripture. I urge you in the view of God's mercy. I urge you to be able to uh, walk in, in fellowship with the Lord. Like the, the word urge is constantly. So that word comes from, right, it, it turns into urgent, right? So the difference between being hurried and being urgent is the hurry, uh, the fruit of hurry is discontentment and chaos, So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Discontentment and chaos are fruits from hurry. Uh, Fruits from being urgent, uh, speaking to a fellow believer in Christ, and being urgent in our mission is that there is purpose and there is passion. You can be very purposeful and very passionate about what you do and deliberate in the way that you... uh, Move forward in Christ. Uh, but the problem is, if we're hurrying, if we're rushing, then we naturally create chaos. We naturally t- uh, create this discontentment that's in our life that we're not enough. In fact, in the next scripture, in verse uh, 8, Peter says, Be sober minded and alert. Your adversary, the da- devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone to devour. I want you to underline looking there. Um, the, the enemy, the adversary, our great adversary, the devil, um, is real. And um, he is a great adversary. And he is not only just uh, prowling, and, and, uh, but he is vigilant in looking uh, for someone to devour. In that day, uh, a lion was a, uh, of course, th- the top of the food chain, but uh, was a threat to the flock of sheep that was their livelihood. And so a lion would roar, it would do it in the night, and it would uh, cause sheep to be able to, to start to move and to run, and then uh, one of them would get away from the pack, and then that's where he would devour, he would, he would pretty much isolate a sheep. That's the, the purpose of being creating that chaos um, for those sheep. And so ultimately, that is what the enemy is trying to do to us as well. He's trying to be able to just create chaos in our life and discontent enough to where we focus on ourselves and our own issues, our own problems, all the things that say, oh, God really doesn't care about me. God's really not for me. Or he would do this, he would change where I'm at and what's happening. He would change the things that are, uh, that are, that are causing me pain and issues and suffering. That is where the enemy wants to keep us. Not only do he want to keep us there, but he also wants to keep us in a place that says, well, actually, not only that, but you literally can't do this yourself. You're, 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 there's no way that God loves you. You've tried already. Um, God is... Uh, He's—he's he's never going to be proud of you. Uh, you can't undo the things that you did that were bad, the thoughts that you had, the—the the direction that you went, the ways that you hurt people. You're just never going to be good enough. You are your consequences, and this is where you're going to live, and this is where you're going to stay. That's where the enemy wants to keep us. That's what the enemy's trying to do—to devour us. But God's different. You know the way that you quiet a roaring lion? By a bigger, louder, roaring lion. We serve a God who is ginormous, that is huge, all-powerful. He is the God of the universe. But the enemy will constantly distract us with other things that we think are going to make us happy. Like this picture, for example, I thought was funny whenever I read it. Um, This is probably some of our issues. right? Uh, As as funny as it is, we get together and stare as a phone. Like, we have our own isolation within our isolation. Why? Because the enemy wants us to keep us to think about, keep thinking about, hey, what is somebody else doing? Hey, where are they going? I want to do this. I want to have this. Oh, that's cool about that. Yet we can't actually enjoy the fellowship of the people that we have. The enemy is a great adversary, and he is vigilant. He is purposeful. My question is today, are you aware of the Holy Spirit in your life and the real Holy Spirit who is um, active in your life and who cares about you and wants the best for you and can you depend on him and can you place your faith by actually creating, it? it moves you to action out of that. Like that's the Holy Spirit that we have in us. But sometimes we just care too much about what we really want. What we really like. So then we move, uh, move on to, to verse 9 where he says, Resist him, standing firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. So uh, we have a couple... Uh, church planters in Burkina Faso in, in Africa right now. In the last four months, they've had seven major attacks from a religious persecution, from Islamic attacks um, on uh, the, uh, the people groups in that area. Uh, one of the attacks had over 160 people uh, dead. Um, persecution across the world is a real thing. Um, and that's why we as a church are constantly sending um, people, and we are sending resources, and we're moving people um, to be able to share the message of Christ, to share the good news, to be uh, love and, and hope and peace, and to show people um, how much God loves them. and will go to the ends of the earth to be able to uh, prove that. And maybe you're one of those people. Maybe you need to be doing it. Maybe you need to be helping in that. Or maybe you're affected by someone across the world who's go- undergoing uh, persecution. And, and I didn't want to discount that from this scripture because a lot of the scripture has to do with the real life persecution that's really happening danger. And I'm not saying that we don't have real life persecution that's here. Our, our persecution is different. And, and there's a lot of different ways in which man, we feel the weight of our suffering and our trouble and it's real and it's attack on our faith. But unless we have freedom in Christ, we're never going to go. We're not going to go to Burkino Faso. We're not going to go to our next door neighbor unless we believe that our identity is in Christ and it's not in our own good works. It's not in how good that we look or how good that we sound. But it's only because by grace we've been saved through faith that Jesus actually can be able to use us to be able to bring glory to himself and that we might be, have satisfaction in our life. But we resist him, we stand and affirm in our faith because there's fellow believers around the world undergoing the same kind of suffering. Um, I'm going to so this is the part where I'm going to cry probably a little bit. I do cry. Um and so I'm just going to give you uh that as a heads up. Um save to the end, you know. Just good cry punch at the end. Uh, not really. Uh but this is just a story that I knew God was going to have me share uh whenever it all happened. And um and so this is I know we have all have our covid stories. Uh, there's no way we're not affected by those covid stories. And I know probably a lot of you are really sick of hearing those stories. Um but um I'm going to tell you mine really short and sweet um, because uh, I think that somebody here needs to hear it today. So 2020 um, was a tough, was not a tough year. It was a tough year forever, yes. Uh, But for me, I was very skeptical about the whole COVID thing. I was very um, just disinterested about it. I was very like, uh, this is a hoax. This is weird. This is dumb. I uh, got to about de- December the 26th. My wife had COVID. Um, and I, well, bef- right before that, I texted Pastor Craig and I said, hey, Pastor Craig, I'm like, uh, like, can I get COVID please? Where can I get it? Because I'm, I've been quarantined for 60 out of the last 90 days and I want to work. I want to do something. And, uh, and he's like, and, and he's like, uh, you know, be careful what you ask for. And so anyways, about uh, December 27th, I woke up um, in the middle of the night, passed out, went to the hospital, um, and uh, pretty much I had COVID, and a lot of uh, symptoms started to go from there. Uh, fast forward about a month, um, I hadn't gotten better at all. In fact, I'd gotten worse, and it probably was the worst that I'd ever been in my life. Um, I couldn't walk down the street, um, maybe even a half a block, um, without my heart racing, without me feeling like I was going to pass out, without me uh, getting pale and uh, not knowing what to do. I went to a lot of doctors, uh, went, had a lot of heart tests, had a lot of, uh, it was a heart and lungs kind of issue. Uh, they didn't really know what is a lot that's going on, um, but I would go to bed at night and I didn't know if I was going to make it, and I'm not joking. And it happened for about, I would say, three to four months. And um, it was definitely some of the scariest points in my life. Um and I'm again I'm not trying to create fear here or trying to paint one side or the other. But um but a, I'm a pretty active guy and uh I couldn't even help my wife do dishes at certain points, which not a bad thing sometimes. Um uh There was my heart, if I tried to like run a mile one time, my heart would just race like to 190 to 200. It's not hard for that to do that at all. Um, And I just couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, But I tell you all that to say this, um, without the people that were around me that loved and cared for me and prayed with me, like the people that would seek me out, Jeff McAfee, the Emlers. Um, Ruben, my grow group, uh, a lot of staff, Pastor Craig, my wife, my parents, my family, um, that would really just pray with me. Like that was the only thing that I, that could get me through whatever it was because no doctor could help me. Um, nobody knew what I was going through. I would literally lay at night. My nervous system would start wrecking out. I would get all this weird, uh, uh, tinglys and, and, and my heart would race and be up and down, and I couldn't sleep. And uh, there was just, it was so much, but nobody could help me. And I vividly remember the only thing that was important to me is at night, I would just say a scripture in my head, God will keep you in perfect peace, those who keep his mind on you. And time after time, people would call and they would pray with me or they would put their, lay their hands on me and they would just say, thank you. Like, I'm gonna pray with you. You're gonna, you know, God's got this. And it was time after time. I tell you that today to tell you this. I'm not trying to belittle the suffering that's going on and the almost there in your life. There's a ton of reasons why today um, that it, you can't explain why you're not there yet, but you really wanna be there. It could be um, uh, you you go every day and wake up and you go to a boss that you just is not a godly person and it's just not a good environment and you just wish you could get something else. Every day you could wake up and you could have a strange family member that you really care about but there's unforgiveness and there's something that's just not there that's right. There might be a a son or a daughter that's away and that you really want them to be right with Jesus and your relationship to be right. It could be a health issue that you've just been tackling. You've been fighting and fighting and fighting and you just want it to be done. And I don't have much to offer you in this for myself, but what I do have to offer you is what what Peter says in verse 10. He says, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore you establish you, strengthen you, and support you after you've suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. It might be at God's pace. It might be a tough battle of you staying alert and staying connected and just realizing that you're not alone. But God will win in your life because of Jesus. God has the ultimate dominion and power and authority and he can and will do what is necessary to help you in life become restored, renewed, and put steadfast. But it's our trust that has to be put in him. It's our faith that has to be put in him. Here is a long, um, here is a truth that has been around for a long time. It is our faith that goes before our understanding. It is our faith that goes before us really being able to know and control whatever it is that we want to control. It is by faith alone that Christ comes into your life and makes you new and makes you steadfast. He is 100% true on his promises. It might be good. It might be in his pace, in his timing, and not your timing, but I'll tell you this you're not alone. God will win. He is winning, and He'll win in your life when we submit our life to Him. But don't go at this alone. Suffering, heartache, trouble. All the things that come on to where you're almost there, man, when we start to rush that and we start to try to take the wheel in that, there is a heavy oppression that happens on us because we try to find our satisfaction and our joy in something that's never going to be there. Not what you buy, not the experiences that you have, not the, the job that you get to do. It is only in Christ alone that we are made new and made right. God promises that he will lift you up in due time. And some of you are yearning to be home with a loved one who's in heaven. And I understand that that is a pain that is real. But you're not there yet. And you're almost there can be a gift to someone else. The enemy wants us to isolate and wants us to think about ourselves all the time, and woe is me. But be aware of the Holy Spirit and what he's doing around you. And he will, the other brothers and sisters around the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering, but God will lift us up together. I pray that you're encouraged today in this. Let your faith, let your belief move you to your understanding. Don't just try to understand it before you place your faith in Jesus. you pray with me? And if today you're like, Josh, I'm struggling, but I've never actually, I don't know how to place my trust in Jesus. I don't know how to place my faith in Jesus. I've thought about it. I'm at my wit's end with what I can do. But I just, I guess today is my day. Like, I, I can't do it on my own. If you don't have the eternal hope of Jesus in your life, if you have not confessed to Jesus, you haven't believed that Jesus, um, that he saves, that he redeems, that he restores, that he took your place for your sin, today is a day that you can do that. And it just, it's just simply letting go of all the things that you've been trying to do and say, God, I need you. I know that you've died on the cross for my sins. I know that you rose again from the grave. And today, I want to just give my life to you. I want to walk you through a prayer that just helps you be able to do that. You could say it kind of in your own words. You could say it in the words that I've been given, but, but at the end of the day, it's, it's simply by confessing with your mouth and believing that God is for you today. It goes like this. Pray with me. God, thank you. I'm sorry I've been trying to do it on my own. I ask for you to forgive me of of all the times I'm trying to take it on my own and try to do it and haven't placed my faith in you today. I ask for you to forgive me of my sin and to make me right with you. I wanna be everything that you've created me to be. I know that Jesus died on the cross and I know that he rose from the dead and he conquered death so that I might be able to be right with you. And so today I wanna be made new. Today I wanna place my faith in you. I'm gonna stop doing it on my own accord I'm gonna trust you with your timing. And I believe, God, that you've saved me, so thank you for saving me. And God, I just pray for, man, this church and what they mean to me, my family and what they mean to me. Thank you, God, for the way that you, you know everything about us. you said to cast our cares on you because you care for us. So thank you for caring. I pray God today that you give strength and resolve to those who are going through difficult situations. I pray God that they can release the timing to you, but they can know in full faith that you will restore them. You will will make them steadfast. You will lift them up in a proper time. And God, you are so worthy of our praise because of that. In Psalm 59, 16, it says, but I will sing of your strength and will joyfully proclaim your faithful love in the morning. For you have been a stronghold for me, a refuge in my day of trouble. God, we we love you. We thank you for your word. And God, we sing to you. We worship you because you're worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.